This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, hallelujah. Well, praise God. What a night so far. I mean, come on. <laughs> Never know what's going to happen. Amen. Well, we'll give uh, give Dad a minute there. But uh, what we're going to be kind of moving forward with tonight is a series that uh, we started, actually it's been kind of strange, we started a series way back in June or July, and it's something that the Lord spoke to me, and uh, we just haven't really had time to uh, to do it consecutively, so it's kind of been sporadic, but I know it's something that the Lord has laid on our heart, and um, the title of the series is this, it's called Holy swag. Does anybody remember some of the stuff we've talked about over some of the weeks in this regard? Now, uh, we started in July, but this is actually only part three. So we've been only been able to squeeze in about one a month over the past three months. But here we are. And what we've looked at basically is this is. Yeah. Yeah. Praise team. You can be dismissed. You guys are good to go. So <laughs> you're off duty. You can hear the word for a few minutes. But um Really, where, where all this birthed out of is this, is, you know, I, I see so many Christians having almost an inferiority complex. And it could be from a lot of things. Maybe, you know, you're still believing the lies of the devil that you don't deserve the grace of God. You, and, and, of course, none of us deserve the grace of God. But at the same time, we have received the grace of God. And we are a part of God's family, right? And so what I've seen is so many Christians, man, they're, they may have been saved for years, yet they still have this, this guilt, this condemnation on their lives, this, this feeling of inadequacy, this feeling of inferiority. And, and, and I'm seeing this all across the body of Christ, and I'm thinking, my goodness, there's no reason why a daughter of the king should go around thinking that she's less than anybody else. There's no reason why a son of the king, a member of the royal family, should be walking around thinking, I, 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 don't, I don't know, man, I, I don't even deserve to be there, or, or all these people are better than me, and, 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 and all these different thoughts. Now, sometimes the devil's lying to you. Sometimes you're buying into the lies of the enemy and believing things that he's feeding to your mind. And how many of you have realized that if you'll sit there and give an ear to the devil, he will talk to you all day long. Has anybody seen that? You know, I mean, have you ever known someone that they just like to talk and maybe, you know, a gossip or somebody that, that just likes to talk, talk, talk? Well, hey, the first open ear that they get, they're going to sit there and nonstop talk, talk, talk. And I was even talking to a young man this morning that he's a, he's a new believer and He's struggling in some areas, and the reason is this. He's listening to the devil lie to him all day long from the time he gets up to the time he goes to bed saying, you, you know what, you should feel ashamed of yourself. You, you should feel like a dirty dog. Nobody likes you, and you're not good enough, and, 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 and you don't deserve this. And this, see, you, you, you prayed for this, and it didn't happen. To this. And he's listening to this stuff all day long. And I said, brother, you've got to stop that right now. You're just playing right in to the devil's playbook. He's telling you stuff all day, and you're totally listening. We've got to get to this place where we learn how to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee according to James chapter 4, right? That's the word of God. We're not making this up. That's the word of God. 
But you've got to realize where these lies are coming from. And so sometimes there are Christians, there are believers, even in this room, that you're listening to the devil's lies thinking that you're a nobody, you're less than everybody, you don't deserve, you don't belong, and that's a lie. And you need to learn how to resist the devil in the name of Jesus. And I've also seen where, man, you've just let other people beat you down. There's a lot of awesome born-again believers that you've let other people beat you down, whether it's a parent, whether it's a spouse, whether it's your own children, whatever the case is, you have listened to other people tell you or make you feel like you are nobody, you're less than, you're ugly, you're not smart, whatever the case is. And, and, and out of all of it, I've come to this place in life where I realize that those are lies and I realize why some people don't accept us. You know why that is? Because Brian Besser told me why that is. And I, and I explained this story. I'll tell it again real quick. I've often, you know, Katie and I and, and some of you, you know, we've often wondered why the strangest thing happens. It's like in ministry, I've tried to be, you know, friends and find buddies everywhere. You know, it, it's nice to have friends that are in your same line of of industry, right? Well, you know, not that ministry is an industry, but at the same time, you know, if you're a mechanic, sometimes it's nice to know some other mechanics that you can chat with. If you work at Santa Fe, sometimes it's nice to, you know, whatever the case is. And so throughout all these years, man, the strangest thing has been anytime I've tried to connect with and 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 befriend and and have a good relationship, a, a, a peer group, it seems like with other pastors that are, you know, about the same level in ministry as we are, or so, oftentimes even much smaller level of ministry, the weirdest thing has been, there's been rejection nonstop. I'm like, man, what's up? I mean, hey, listen, we're all, we're all in this together, but there's been a lot of rejection amongst peers and amongst, you know, churches much smaller than this that I've tried to, to hook up with. And I'm like, what's up with this? Because really the best ministry friends that I have and guys that'll text me back and actually be involved in my life are people that have churches much, 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 much larger than this. My closest ministry pastor friend that I can text and have a relationship with has a church of 20,000 people. And I'm like, you have more people in your church than my town does. And anytime I want to text with you, call you, go to lunch, you're right there for me. Yet the guy with 50 people doesn't want anything to do with me. What's up with that? And I've pondered this and I've wondered this. And so Brian Besser and some of us, we were at a, a pastor's thing one day at one of these super large churches that we're good friends with. I'm like, Brian, I don't get it. Why is it that, that, that these guys treat us like nobodies and like, you know, we're crazy and stupid and, and all this stuff. And yet these guys, they're like, hey, can I get your number? Let's go have coffee. Let's go, you know. And, and he said, brother, have you ever thought about maybe you weren't meant to peck around with chickens, but you were meant to soar with eagles? And I was like, oh, hey, that's a word right there. Maybe the people that have been messing with you, maybe the lies that you've been bought into in your life is because you've been trying to peck around with the chickens, but you, my friend, are an eagle, and you're meant to be at a higher level. And sometimes people don't get that. It confuses them. It makes them think you're crazy, because if there's an eagle hanging around in the chicken coop, the chickens think you're crazy. But when you get with the eagles, they get you, and they understand that. And everything that I'm saying is not to put down on somebody else and say, hey, you're better than them, I'm better than them. And none of it's that. But I am going to tell you this. 
that there are some things that I'm better than and I refuse to put up with any longer. I refuse to put in and, and put up with a spirit of fear. I'm better than that now because Jesus came and bought me. I'm no longer a slave to fear anymore. I'm better than that. You're better than believing those lies that you're ugly and stupid and, 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 and all this negativity that the devil tries to put on you. You know what? You are better than that. And you're going to walk and rise above that and get past that. But a verse, the title tonight is this, Holy Swag Part 3, The Greater Than Mentality. The Greater Than Mentality. And you're like, you're greater than that? Yes, there are some things that absolutely in this life, because of Jesus, I'm better than that. You're better than that. And I don't have to put up with it anymore. First John 4, 4. And I want to look at this tonight, first of all, in the King James, because this is a, hopefully a very familiar verse to you. First John 4, 4. And man, I, you need to get a hold of this. You better know first John 4, 4. This is a verse that you need to have in your, uh, your repertoire. You need to have first John 4, 4 in your tool bag. You need to have it on speed dial because there's going to be some days that you need this reminder and you need to remember who you are in Christ. And so, 1 John 4, 4, in the King James, it says, Ye are of God, little children. Do you get that? You're of God. No wonder other people don't understand you. Because you're not of this world. You're of God. It says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater than. Greater than. Not equal to, not less than, greater than. Greater is he that is in you than he who is in this world. And you need to get a hold of that. Because some people, they hear this verse and they're like, amen, I believe it. And and yeah, that's inspirational. But you better get that in your heart. That literally on the inside of you is the greater one, the Holy Spirit, he is inside of you and he is greater than anything that comes up against you. The lies, the fear, the, 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 the torment, the, the, the anxiety, the, 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 the sickness, the, the poverty, the things that come up against you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have got to get this in your heart. And so. You better determine in your life that there are some things that are just flat out beneath you. That's beneath me. I'm not putting up with that. The devil comes and tells you, you know, hey, man, no, nobody likes you. Everyone thinks you this and, and blah, blah, blah. When he starts feeding those lies, that's beneath me. I'm not even going to give that the time of day. That's beneath me. And I refuse to put up with that anymore. And you better get some things in your life where you will draw a line in the sand because there's a whole lot of Christians that don't have the backbone to draw the line in the sand and say, this shall not be crossed. You cross this line, there will be consequences. I'm coming at you in the name of Jesus. But you better get that in your heart that there are some things that you absolutely don't give an inch on. And I'm not going to give the devil an inch in any area because he'll take a mile, won't he? He'll come in and take all the ground you're going to give him. But I refuse to do it. And so what I want to mainly look at tonight is this. I've got a story right here in the Old Testament that I really want to 
excavate. I want to dig out a little bit and I want to look at some stuff. But I want to look at the story of the Israelites when Moses, they, they, they get out of Egypt. They, they cross the Red Sea. They finally make it through all that. And believe it or not, they make it over there to Canaan in not a super long amount of time when they first get there. And so Moses says, hey, what we're going to do is I'm going to send 12 spies in. I'm going to pick one from each of the 12 tribes. Go spy out the land. Tell us what it's going to take to get in there. Tell us what you see and and give us a scouting report on this. And then, hey, we're going to go in and dominate and we're going to take this. And so what we're going to look at, first of all, tonight is a couple of mentalities that people have. Now, you, you have the greater mentality, right? Does anybody have the greater mentality that you don't, you know, you're not playing games anymore? Well, the first mentality we're going to look at is, number one, the grasshopper mentality. Any grasshoppers in the house tonight? Don't raise your hand. Do not raise your hand. All right. Okay. Oh, I saw. Oh, we got one. No. <laughs> Just because you're short doesn't mean you're a grasshopper, Sabrina. All right. Come on. All right. Hey, getting hazed from the pulpit. So let's look at Numbers chapter 13. Numbers 13. Let's get excited for the word of God tonight. Somebody. Numbers 13. That's it. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. It's all right to get excited. Numbers chapter 13, and uh, who's familiar with this story when the, when the 12 spies initially go in and scout out the land? Anybody? Yeah? And so here we have it, Numbers chapter 13, and as you know, 10 guys come back with what they call the evil report, and two guys come back with the good report. So Numbers 13, verses 27 through 28, and here's the original Report from the grasshopper men. It says, this was the report to Moses, verse 27. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. Well, my initial response is good. That's exactly what I want to hear. It is indeed a bountiful land. It is flowing with milk and honey. And here's some of the fruit. And if you had read earlier, you saw that the fruit there was absolutely incredible. That they said one cluster of grapes was so big, it took two grown men to carry it on a pole over their shoulders. That's how big one cluster of grapes was. This was a bountiful land. God didn't just take them to a, an area to give to them and, and it was, you know, eh, this is nobody else wanted this piece of real estate so you guys can have it. You can have the leftovers. No. God gave them the best. They had it all set up. Think about this. They had crops already planted. They had homes already built. They had a water system. They had, they had everything was set up all they had to do was go in and kick the evil people out and take over. Think about that. If God said, well, here's a plot of land, but you're going to have to do all the planting. You're going to have to give it a few years to cultivate the soil. You're going to have to build houses for two million people. You're going to have to dig wells. You're going to have to find. If they had to do all that work, I mean, thank God it's better than being in Egypt. But you're starting from ground zero. But God literally takes them to the promised land and says, here it is. All you got to do is kick them out and you take over and it's all yours. And so the 10 come back and say, hey, God wasn't lying. No doubt about it. This is a bountiful land flowing with milk and honey. The crops are beautiful. Uh, the, the, the fruit is awesome. It is a 
bountiful land, but they don't stop there. Look what the next thing it is they said in verse 28. But, they're getting ready to get their butt in the way. And sometimes you hear people, God's done a lot of great stuff for me, but. Then they throw their butt out there and screw it all up. All right, well, keep your butt to yourself. Verse 28, but the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And so they're like, not all, it's great, but I'll tell you one thing. We ain't ever going to get none of those grapes. We ain't ever going to get none of those pomegranates because that there's walls around it. There's uh, there's giants there. It's fortified. It's awesome. No doubt about it. But we're not ever going to see any of that. None of it. We're never get in there. What kind of an attitude is that? And there's a lot of Christians. They see the promises in the Bible. It says right here that he wishes above all things that I would prosper and be in health. But. I never, I never, I never seen that. I'm never going to see that. Or all it says right here that by Jesus wounds, by his stripes, I was healed. It says it, but I never, I'll be darned if I ever see it. And people start to have this idea. It says that I was made in the image of God right here that he, and it says that I have the mind of Christ. I doubt that, man. I can barely, I can't even remember my name. I can't even spell my, and people, they say these stupid things all the time. And they laugh at these guys, but they're doing the same thing in their life. There's a promised land for you. There are promises of God that belong to you. But we sit here and do the same thing these guys are doing. Oh, it's great, all right. It looks awesome. But I don't think I'm ever going to see it. Skip down to verse 32. So they're, they're, they're puking their negativity all over everybody. Verse 32 says, So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. How do you know what they were thinking? How stupid is fear that fear, and I know people like this. Oh, I'll tell you what, I know what they think about me. No, you don't. You don't have any idea. You never even talked to them. Well, I, no, I, I, no doubt about it, man. I was in that place and I felt stupid and they thought I looked stupid too. I, I, I went up in there and I'll tell you what, I felt like a grasshopper. They all thought I was too. Fear will absolutely start to demolish you if you give into it. And that's the place that so many Christians are in. And you know what fear stands for? False evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. You start to make up some false evidence. No, I've got proof, man. You saw. Stop that. It's not even false evidence appearing real. We're sitting there buying into this stuff. And I tell you, I know what they think about me. I know what's going to happen next. You have no idea, man. But I can tell you with that attitude, I can predict your life pretty accurately. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Proverbs 18 verse 21. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. So many people are destroying their lives because they say stupid things like this about themselves all the time. They, say, they, they speak such death 
over their lives. That, that sure enough, their lives are a mess. And I can tell you, a lot of the blame goes to the words that they're speaking. And so these guys show up and they see giants and they say, everybody was a giant. That's not true either. Not everybody in Canaan was a giant. There were some, no doubt about it. But not everybody that lived there was a giant. And again, the devil will take any microscopic thing and magnify it in your life. Have you ever noticed that? That's why I don't look on WebMD anymore. You know what I mean? You, you get on there and you, 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 uh, you doctors out here that haven't been to medical school, we get on WebMD, don't we? And like, well, type in the symptoms, you turn a paper cut into like leprosy or something like that. And it's like, calm down. It's going to be okay. But next thing you know, some people, they read all the possible things and they're like, oh my gosh, now, now I'm pretty sure I am seeing spots come to think of it. And, and you know what? Everything does look purple. And oh my gosh. And they say when that happens, the next thing to go is this. And you know what? My leg does hurt. Oh my gosh. And, and, and you just start snowballing yourself right into the, into the ER and you don't have any of that stuff. But that's what happens when we start to let our minds and, and, and our words go that direction, next thing you know, Doogie Hauser, you've got yourself checked into the hospital and you need to just pump the brakes on that mess. Listen, get control of yourself, man. Don't go there. And so these guys, they were defeated already and it wasn't because a single giant had ever laid a hand on them. They were defeated Because they defeated themselves with their mentality and with their words before a single giant or anybody had even spoken a word to them. And so, where are you at in your life? How is it that you are viewing yourself? What's your mentality? What's your mentality? That's something to truly consider right here because so many Christians have the wrong mentality. Now, we realize none of this. I can't do all things through Pastor Dave who gives himself strength. No way. You know, not not a chance. There's a lot of things that I can't handle. Now, there's some problems in life that I could handle, and there's a whole lot that I could not handle. And you better realize that the success you have, you better realize the blessings you have did not come because you're so good looking. It did not come because you're so smart. It came by the grace of God Almighty that even let you get that job, that even let you be born, that even let you get up this morning. You better not confuse that for one second at all. But I'm also fully aware of who I am in Christ. No doubt about that. I'm fully aware that I am a son of God Almighty. I am a member of the royal family. And you need to see yourself as that too. I don't walk into a room with my head hanging low. I don't walk into any room thinking that I don't belong there. I belong if God says I belong there. Amen. Because I'm a son of God. And so we need to get a hold of this. You know, I was listening to Charles Barkley, the great basketball phenom. Anyway, Charles Barkley, he said that he loved to crush the other team's spirit when he was playing. Because if you make them feel helpless, they just beat themselves and your job's done. I mean, there's so many people, the devil really doesn't have that hard of a time with you because you've got a crushed spirit. 
You know, Psalm 34 tells us that the Lord rescues those whose spirit is crushed. But you better recognize that, hey, you've let the devil crush your spirit. And he doesn't really, you're doing a fine enough job beating yourself in life right now that he doesn't have to put that much effort in. You need to get past this crushed spirit and realize who you are in Christ. And according to 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world say amen to that tonight amen and so there's the grasshopper mentality and i want to look at what i really want to look at tonight the good part because i nobody really likes to study losers we don't we don't we don't spend a lot of time in history class studying losers i want to study people that did something i want to study people that actually made it and so i want to look at number two tonight those that had the greater mentality. And that is going to be Joshua and Caleb. And so Joshua and Caleb, you better know they had some holy swag. They walked into the room with a little something in their step. They walked into the room and they weren't like, oh, golly gee, I hope, oh boy, oh no, what am I going to do today? No, they walked in like they owned the place. And they're like, yeah, this will be perfect. We'll take this. There was like House Hunters International. They walked right in to the, to the promised land and said, yeah, this will do. This is what we're looking for. And so they walked in there and they didn't have any totally different attitude. So Numbers chapter 13, and I want to look at verse 30. And so here's what happens. They roll up to give their report, and, you know, all the people, they're, they're freaking out. and like, oh, my gosh, there's giants, and oh, my gosh, fortified city, and, and, and what are we going to do? It's beautiful, but we're never going to get in. And so, Numbers 13, verse 30, it says, But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. There you go. That's not what the other ten were saying. The other guys, they were saying, no, no way. We don't stand a chance. No chance in the world that we're going to get in there. And Caleb says, this is perfect. Let's go right now. Let's not even wait. Let's go at once. And we can certainly conquer this place. And look look here at chapter 14. Flip over a few verses here. Chapter 14 and verses 7 through 9. I love this, man, because... I like to hang out with people that have this attitude. You guys know anybody that has just like a, a, a totally go get them attitude, can conquer anything? They're not afraid of nothing. That's the type of people I want to surround myself with. I don't want to surround myself with these grasshoppers. I want to be around people like Joshua and Caleb. And so Numbers 14, verses 7 through 9. And so here's... Here's what's going on. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. It's awesome. It's awesome, man. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Who likes milk? Better like it. You ever try to eat Oreos without it? You're up the creek without a paddle, man. You don't go there. You don't mess with that. Try to put some on. Man, don't even start about fruity pebbles. You better get some milk for yourself, okay? And so it's a land flowing with milk, but not just milk. It's flowing with honey. Man, I like both of those things. And so they said it is everything that God said it is. It's flowing with milk and honey. Look at verse 9. Do not rebel against the Lord. 
and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. Wait a minute. That's not what I heard at the previous report. Last I heard that we are helpless prey to them. But Caleb says, no, they're, they're helpless against us. They don't stand a chance. They have no protection. But the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Look at that. How is it? How is it that 12 people can go and look at the exact same piece of real estate, look at the exact same situation, 10 come back and say one thing, 2 come back and say the opposite? I can tell you why. Because if you're going to be a person of faith, you're going to be in a minority. I don't know if you've noticed this, but newsflash, the majority of the population are not people that are just bursting at the seams with faith. Most people don't see the glass as running over, as Psalm 23 says. Some people ask, is the cup half empty or half full? Well, I'll tell you, mine's, mine runneth over. Psalm 23 says, my cup runneth over. It's not half empty. It's not half full. I've got so much blessing that it's just bubbling out the top. But if you have not noticed, the majority of people that are just wandering the streets here, or well, you know, when you're at your job or at your school, they are not people that are just overflowing with faith. And in this case, we have two out of 12 that actually have faith. I'm telling you, if you're going to be a faith person, it can be a lonely road. It can be you, you are going to look like a freak sometimes. You're going to look like a psycho because everybody else is saying, oh, no, it's bad and it's getting worse. And you're saying, that's funny. My life's great and it's getting better. It's getting more awesome by the day. I, you, you mean to tell me with all this going on that, yeah, my life couldn't be better. I mean, uh, the only way my life could possibly get any better is if I was sitting in heaven right now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, people, you know, seriously, and you say that to somebody, they're going to think you're nuts. What? You're lying. I know what you're going through. I'm not lying. Seriously. I love my life. And I, I tell people that. I was telling somebody that this morning, you know, someone asked me, well, what, what is the, the, what's the real meaning of life? What's the purpose? And I mean, I, I started going off about all of it. And I was like, man, after a while, I just felt so happy talking about life that, you know why? Because my life is awesome sauce from the minute I wake up to the minute I go to bed. And then I, when I go to bed, I have good dreams all night long. You think I'm making this up. My life is fantastic. Is it because I'm super rich? Well, no, I'm not there yet. And someday I'd love to be, but it's not because I've got all this money just floating around. Is it because I never have any trouble? No troubles come to me, but I'm telling you right now, you're looking at a dude that loves life. My life is awesome. I've got a beautiful, wonderful wife got four healthy kids. I've got a church of a few hundred people that just love me, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> wow, I don't know. I saw some of that. Okay. But no, I'm telling you right now, man, my life is good. Real good. It's awesome. It's the best. Why is that? Because I choose to focus on, yes, there is a great land. There may be giants there, but I kill giants and cut their head off. Then I go and take their stuff from them. That's the mentality that we've got to have. Sure, there's giants. And, and I'll bet that God's got a promised land for you right now. And yeah, it's probably surrounded by giants on every side. You're going to have to get there and beat some giants to get in. Okay? 
You're going to have to roll up your sleeves, open the Bible, learn how to use the sword of the Spirit yourself, and beat some giants. Nobody just gets to roll into the promised land without a fight. There's going to be a fight to get into the promised land because there's a real enemy. But once you start to realize that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, you're not going to get there. And so no doubt about it. Of course there's giants surrounding your promised land. Of course there's a fortified city. All you've got to do is break through and take over, man. You've got to have a breakthrough in your life. And sitting there feeling sorry for yourself and crying is not going to make it happen. You need to realize 1 John 4.4. 4. Who's going to memorize 1 John 4.4 4 this week? I know about 13 people that are going to have victory by this Friday. Come on, somebody. Now, the rest of you, you need to get in on this. But you've got to have this instinct. Kenny Gatlin was telling a story a couple of years ago when he was here. He talked about he, he likes to read a lot of war stories and stuff like this. So he was talking about this. I, I don't think he saw it on the news. But anyway, he talked about how they were doing this documentary and this thing on, I think it was the fighting in Iraq or Afghanistan 15 years ago. And this Marine kicks down this door. And when he gets in there, there's seven Taliban soldiers with rifles pointed right at him. Now, for most people, the first thought is, how do I escape? How do I get out of this? But his first thought was, okay, how do I kill all seven of them and make it out alive still and conquer this, conquer this, this situation? And sure enough, in the end, he killed all seven of them. He got shot a few times. Because sometimes you sustain some, you know, hey, we're fighting the fight of faith. Sometimes I've sustained a few shots in, the, in this fight. But his first thought wasn't, how do I escape? His first thought was, how do I conquer? And he ended up doing it. What's your first thought whenever the devil comes and brings something to you? Whenever a problem arises, is it, oh, my God, how do I, how do I just run and get in hiding as fast as possible? How do I go and hide? How do I, get, how do I run away from this? Or is it, how do I absolutely dominate and conquer this and, 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 and absolutely crush the enemy in this? Some people, there's fight and flight, right? We've heard of this psychologically. Some people are just born with this fight instinct where I don't care. I'm going to dominate and I'm going to you're not going to push me around. And that's good to have controlled in the right sense. And then, Because I know some people that just turn into rage monsters and are looking for fights. And no wonder you stumble continuously through life and have no friends. But there's also some that have this flight mentality that every time the devil says, boo, they run. That's no good either. So spiritually speaking, you need to have the fight mentality that Joshua and Caleb had. And, you know, verse 9 here says, do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. Well, what's rebellion? Well, it's sin, right? Rebellion, in fact, the word goes on so far to say is rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion ain't good. And so I'm telling you right now to, to, to not enter your promised land because of rebellion. It's a sin. Now, I'm not, you know, that, that, that may seem like a stretch, but really, 
if you don't end up in the promised land for your life because you let the devil just push you out of it, because you believed the lies, because you were so rebellious. And a lot of people don't see, most people see rebellion as being some defiant, you know, little spoiled brat type of thing. But a lot of rebellions just straight out of fear. It got quiet up in the Presbyterian church. Am I at the right joint? What's going on here? Listen, a lot of times rebellion isn't just some defiant, spoiled little brat saying, I'm not going to do it. No way. I don't, I don't want to. A lot of times rebellion is saying, God, I know you're saying to do this, but I'm too afraid to. I, no way. I'm, I'm sorry. Find somebody else. I'm not going to do that. So is one rebellion worse than the other? I don't know, but I think rebellion's pretty bad. I think that when God says, I'm telling you, I'm inside of you, go do this. I'm going to back you up. You're going to win. Just go. I'll do the fighting. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Exodus 14, 14. God's not even telling you that you've got to supply the strength. He's just saying, show up and watch what I can do. You at least have to show up to the fight. But if you let fear dominate you so bad that you won't even show up, that's a sin. That's rebellion. And whether you want to admit it or not, a lot of us have fallen in to a rebellious sin because we won't obey the voice of God because we're too afraid to. It's not because we're just trying to be defiant. We just, we're flat out too afraid and we let fear hold us back in life. I see some wheels turning. Some of you got that glazed look, but a few of you, you've got the, you know, there's some wheels turning right now and you're starting to think about this, that maybe there's some things in your life. Maybe you're not where you're supposed to be right now. And it's not because God didn't want you to be there. It's not because the devil's just, maybe it's because you have let fear hold you back. And today's the day that you say, you know what? I'm going to show up for the fight tomorrow because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. First John 4, 4 in the NLT. I want to see it in here real quick. Let's look at this. It words it just a little bit different. Is anybody getting anything tonight? We're trying to get you there, man. You need to start seeing yourself as Christ sees you. So 1 John 4, 4, the NLT says, but you belong to God, my dear children. Is there anybody here that you belong to God? You don't belong to the devil. I don't belong to myself. I belong to God because I've been bought with a price. And so it says, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. The spirit who lives in you is greater than. Say that with me tonight. Greater than. Say it again. Greater than. The spirit that lives in you is greater than. The spirit greater than the devil that lives in this world. You've got to see this you've got to have this mentality so grasshopper mentality greater than mentality and what i want to break down is this kind of my third thing is this why do we have this mentality why is it so important that you have some holy swag why is it so important 
that you have a little pep in your step, a little confidence in your life. Why is this so important? Well, I'm going to say this, number one, because Jesus did. I want to be like Jesus, and I didn't see Jesus cowering from the devil. I didn't see Jesus going around like some lowly servant that didn't deserve to be somewhere. I see Jesus having a confidence. I want to look at John chapter 14 and verse 30. John 14, verse 30. Now, we're going to get back to Joshua and Caleb in a minute to wrap this up. But why is it that we need to have a greater than mentality? Well, Jesus had it. Jesus had this mentality. John chapter 14 and verse 30. When you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say yeehaw. If you're at least in the book of John, say, ye, ye. Okay. John 14 and verse 30. All right. Okay. So it says this. Jesus, talking to the disciples, he says, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. Now, some people will be like, oh, the ruler of this world? Could that be the evil one? Could that be the devil? And Jesus didn't say, guys, I don't have much more time with you. The ruler of this world's approaching and my time's running up. No, listen to what he says right here. The ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me. Does that sound like somebody that's afraid? Does that sound like somebody that does, doesn't know what's going to happen next? Jesus, he, said, he, didn't, he didn't deny that the devil's real. He didn't deny that there was a storm coming, but he said, that the ruler of this world approaches, but he has no power over me. And if he has no power over Jesus, he's got no power over you because you belong to Jesus. You have been raised with Christ to be seated in the heavenly realms, according to Ephesians. And so if he can't bully Jesus around, he's not going to bully me around either. He says, hey. The rule of this world approaches. He ain't got no power over me. He does not have any power over me. Jesus was not afraid of Satan. I heard this story about this old woman in in London during World War II. Uh, this was uh, a, a, you know a bad time. They thought Hitler was going to approach at any moment. In fact, yesterday I was just yesterday I was reading the news and they found uh, uh, an original document of Hitler's war plan for invading london and it went up for auction but they've got like his actual battle plan that he drew up for invading london i'm like whoa that's some sick stuff right there but back in back in this era i mean it was a real threat and so uh so so people would go into the you know the bomb shelters and be ready at any moment well this old lady she had gone missing for days after there had been an attack, and she she had been she had gone missing, and and the neighbors were like, oh man. After it was all over, they didn't find her. Like where where'd she go? We didn't see her in the shelter. We didn't see her anywhere. She must have died or something. Well, they eventually found her. She was you know back in the town the next few days later, and and people were like, where were you? What happened? Didn't she go to the shelter? Where have you been all these days? She's like, it's at my house. Where were you guys? You didn't hear the sirens? You didn't hear what was going on? Why didn't you go there? She's like, I didn't have anywhere to go. I read in the word where it says that God neither slumbers nor sleeps. And so I figured if he's going to stay up around the clock, there's no need in me 
losing any sleep either. I was at home sleeping. I was just living my life, doing my thing. And she had no fear, even though everybody else was freaking out. And why could this little old lady have that? Because she had the same attitude as Jesus. The ruler of this world approaches. He ain't got no power over me. He has no power over me. Are you getting this? That's what Jesus said. The devil has no power over me. So why do we need to have this greater than mentality? Because Jesus had it. And the second thing I'm going to say this is that Jesus expects us to. Really? Jesus expects us to. John 14, verse 12. You're already in John 14. Let's just look at this. John 14 and verse 12. Now check this out. So Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Whoa. Anyone who believes in Jesus will do the same works he did. Really? Because Jesus did some pretty awesome stuff. That, that's enough to kind of rattle some people's cage. But look at the next few words. And even greater works. What? I'm supposed to be doing even greater works than Jesus? That's almost, that's a, that's a little bit hard to, to, to accept right there. But Jesus himself said, he said, anyone who believes in me, they're going to do the same stuff I've been doing and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask for anything in my name and I will do it. And so... There's, I mean, that's a whole 10, 15 part sermon series right there that I'm not going to tackle within the next four minutes. But I'll tell you this much. If Jesus could face death, if Jesus could face the things that he faced and not quit, not give up, not run off crying like a little girl. I mean, let's get real. If Jesus could face the things that he faced and then he said the same works I did. I'm counting on you to do two and even greater works because I'm going back to be with the father. I need you to step up. I need you to do these things in my name. I need you to ask for miracles in my name. I need you to step up and be one of the two that have faith. Be don't be like everybody else. If they're all saying it's impossible, you say, ah, but with God, all things are possible. If they're all saying it can never be done, you say, well, no, you don't know my God. It can be done because greater is he who is in me than he that's in the world. And so I'm telling you right now, Jesus does not expect you to be a little sissy. Jesus does not expect you to be somebody with the grasshopper mentality. He fully expects you to be a person of faith that says, well, maybe it's never been done before, but that's because nobody's tried it in the name of Jesus. We're going to do this in the name of Jesus right now. He expects for you to step up to the plate. And so what I want to bring it full circle in tonight is this. I want you to flip to Joshua 14, and we're going to bring this baby home because I want to show you what happens to Joshua and Caleb. So if you're familiar with the story, they get there, they make it out of Egypt and to the promised land, you know, in a reasonable amount of time at first. But then God says, you know what, I've had it. 
I hear all this fear. I hear all this complaining. I hear all this just absolute rebellion. He says, here's the deal. All these people that have got this rebellious fear in their hearts, none of them get to go in and see the land. Only those that have had faith. Only those that didn't give up on me. Only those that had enough faith to believe that I'm actually God and that I'll actually do this. So he says, march back out to the desert. And so he said, you will not enter the promised land until every last one of the fearful ones has died. Like, whoa, that's that's a big order right there because we're talking about a couple million people. And so for the next 40 years, every male that was of fighting age, army age, that was afraid and fearful and a little sissy, he had to, they had to go out there and, and, and when all them, all them died, they could finally get into the promised land. It took 40 years. Now, you, I've done the math on this. I don't have the figures here, but at least 2 million people, that's several hundred or, or, or a, a couple thousand people per day dying off amongst the children of Israel for 40 years. I mean, just, that couldn't have been pleasant. But it took that long till finally that rebellion and attitude was wiped out. And we've got a fresh slate of men here that aren't afraid to go fight for what God says is theirs. I wish we had some men and women today that would fight for what God says is theirs. That is your promised land. That is your home. That is your family. Put up a fight in the name of Jesus and conquer and don't ever accept anything less. And so, here we have it. They, they get there. And sure enough, yeah, they got to drive some people out. They got to take down Jericho. They got to take down several cities. But they're just cleaning house, man. They're knocking people out. They're clearing them out and taking over their stuff. Now, in our modern mind, we think, well, that doesn't sound very nice. You got to realize, man, the people we're dealing with, the Canaanites, were wicked to the extreme. I read these Old Testament stories about how they slaughtered these guys. I don't feel one ounce of sorrow for them. They were bad people, dude. They, they, they sacrificed children. They did all sorts of stuff. They, would, they had prostitutes at their temple just for the sake of giving birth to babies that they could then burn on their altars. They were wicked, bad people. I don't feel one ounce of remorse that God told the Hebrews to go in, slaughter them, and kick them out and take over their stuff. I don't feel bad about that at all. And so, yeah, Joshua, Caleb, the Israelites get there, and they start laying the smack down. Every town they go to, they kick people out, they dominate, they take over, and it's awesome. So when it's all said and done, they've conquered the land. We get here in Joshua chapter 14, and we look at verse 10 because whenever they were way back in the day, 40-something years ago, 45 years ago, uh, Joshua was like, hey, pick, pick out the land you want. And Caleb, as a young man, he says, see those mountains over there? I want the mountains. You guys can all have this area. I want the mountains. Okay, when we get in there, that's your land. You're responsible for driving the people out. But when we conquer, the mountains are yours, Caleb. He didn't realize it was going to take 45 years. So Joshua 14 and verse 10, this is Caleb talking. And now, behold... The Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 
85 years old. When the promise was made, you can have the mountains. You, you, you kick the giants out that are up there. The mountains are yours. He was 40 years old. 45 years later, he finally gets to the place where the mountains could be his. But he's 85. He's 85 years old. But look at this. Here's the attitude of somebody with the greater than mentality because Caleb never was a grasshopper. Caleb never was like everybody else. He was a freak in the midst of all these people, just like some of us are, where they don't understand us. They've never seen anything like us, where we're not afraid. We're ready to dominate life. And so Caleb says, I'm 85 now. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. That's it, right? You know, he didn't say, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. Guys, I mean, I know I was 40. I wanted it. I'm 85 now. Could we just maybe set me up a like a retirement community down here? Me and the other people will just, you know, we'll give us a tennis court and a bingo hall. And we'll just, we'll play down here with our friends. And, you know, we'll watch Dr. Phil during the day. He could have, there's all sorts of directions he could have gone with that. But he said, no. I said I wanted that mountain. It took 45 years. I'm going to get that mountain. And so he says, here I am. Here I am on this day. Give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. The mountain was there. The Anakim, the giants, they were still there. So here we have an 85-year-old. He had to put on his battle gear, 85 years old, hike up this mountain. And when he got there, there were giants waiting. Do you think that stopped him? No. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. He's like, fine, be blessed. It's all yours. Go get it. And so what, what's the next thing to say? Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. It doesn't say, well, Caleb gave it his best, but he never did inherit that land. No, it says it became his inheritance. Read between the lines, folks. That means he won. He conquered that mountain. He beat those giants, and he took that land as his possession. And so... I'm just going to bring it down to this right here. What's your mentality? Do you got this uh, grasshopper thing going on? Or do you have like Caleb did? Hey, it may, maybe the promise didn't happen overnight. Maybe it's maybe you've been fighting the fight for a while. Maybe you've been standing on God's word, doing everything you know for a while now. And it still hasn't happened. Guess what? A hard-fought victory is the sweetest there is. I love a good blowout. Those are nice, man. I loved in basketball in high school just blowing other teams out. But there's just something about, man, this one took a minute. We had to fight, and we didn't give up, and we ended up winning in the end. There's just something about a hard-fought victory. And if you've got this greater mentality, 
you're going to say, I don't, I don't want the foothills. I want the mountains. I was promised a mountain, and I'm not going home until I get my mountain. I'm going to fight for it. And when you have that in your heart, man, there's nothing that's going to stop you in this life. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Somebody shout, say amen. Let's stand up together tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.